Welcome to the Property Investors Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an upload. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Enjoy this week's show and don't forget to share it with all your friends. Welcome to the Property Investors Podcast. My name is Russell Leeds. My name is Ricky Mandel. And on this week's show, we're going to be talking about creative ways to finance your first property deal. Um, now, a lot of people want to get started investing in property because they, they realise that property investment is a fantastic way to make money. However, a lot of other people kind of think that property investing is just for the rich. Well, I always thought that. When I, when I was getting into property and I was looking into it and I saw, you know, Samuel's stuff online, like YouTube videos, <clears throat> I was just thinking, you've got to have a lot of money to get into property. Um, but then when I started to really look into it um, and in different ways and strategies that you could use that Samuel was talking about, I realised that actually that's not the case. Yeah, yeah. So when you, so that's quite interesting then if you were in, the, in that sort of situation. So when was it, when did it sort of first dawn on you Ah, actually, I don't need a lot of money to start investing in property. I remember I was watching um, Winners on a Wednesday. Okay. And I was going through Winners on a Wednesday, and I was watching the first few ones, and they were saying, you know, I've done this with uh, little or no money, you know, not like putting down massive house deposits. And I was watching these Winners on a Wednesday, and I was thinking, you know, I was thinking, it's just these couple of people that have done this. Let me watch a few more and see what... Because in my head, I'm thinking, if I watch another... 20 episodes of it which there was hundreds of them I was thinking these next 20 people are going to say I put down you know half a million pounds into this deal and the more winners on the Wednesdays I watched the more I realised that most of the winners on the Wednesdays I'd say 80% of them did it with little or no money Mm. and they raised finance or they used creative different ways to get the property deals and that's when I realised actually this this can be for me as well. I can do this. And what were you what were you doing at the time? Did you have a lot of money saved up? Or? I had five hundred pounds. Five hundred pounds. Yeah, and I just I'd stopped DJing about six months before, so I didn't have any money coming in. Five hundred pounds, no money coming in. So that's why putting a big deposit down for a house and having loads of money wasn't going to be an option for me. And I'm very glad that I stumbled across winners on the Wednesday videos that actually did it with no money. All right, so. In that case then, what did, because I also, my very first deal, I had no money. I was like 20, 20, uh, 20 or 21 sort of age um, and totally broke, right? Totally broke. You, I probably had less money than you. Really? I probably did. Oh, it's rough. That is, that is rough. It's horrible, isn't it? So what, what did you, I, I, rem- I can remember, because um, I, I used to work for my dad, uh, when I was that sort of age, and I was on a really low salary. And I can remember sort of, sort of some months where it was like, ooh, can't afford to buy any food. Um, you know, I have to just get beans on toast again, type type yeah. level. It's, cra- it's crazy now looking back, but yeah. I'm glad that I did it though, because it means I've, I'm glad I've been there. And I think, you know, one of the worries with my kids, I don't want to make it too easy for them. Yeah, My, my parents never made it easy for me. I had to work and earn for everything. Even, you know, when I was, because I passed my driving test when I was 17, and I was on a very, very low income then, but I had to spend all my money on my driving lessons. Yeah. And I, I booked this one, they were, they were the cheapest, but they only did Warsaw, and I lived three miles outside of Warsaw. So rather than pay an extra few quid for a different instructor, he wouldn't come to me. I used to walk the three miles to Warsaw, <laughs> do my lesson, and then walk back. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> do you know what, it's funny though, because I'm glad, I'm glad I went through that as well, because 
me going through that now this is one of the this is one of the reasons why I do these podcasts mm. and I come to the you know the, the training events with with you guys because I've been through that and I've had that mindset of you need money to get started and but now I'm you know where I am today now I come back because I'm like I've been there I know other people are there as well so let me help you show you how I did it let me show you how it was possible for me yeah that's true so, so what did you do then when you first got started what was your so the first kind of strategy that we used was rent to rent because you don't need a lot of money to get started in rent to rent. Some, you know, you can do it with no deposit and no rent up front if you negotiate well. Yeah. But I mean, if you if you do need some money, it will only be a few thousand pounds. But I didn't even have the few thousand pounds. So how did I raise it for our first deal? We needed about two and a half, just just over two two thousand, about two and a half. Um, and I raised it from a family member to get my first um, rent-to-rent deal. But nice. then interestingly, what happened was, as I got the rent-to-rent, it was through an agency, and when they realized that I was paying the rent on time and I was actually saving them and the landlord money, mm. they started to give me more rent-to-rents, um, which I could do no deposit down and, and no rent up front because I had a good relationship with them. So do you want to just maybe explain what your figures were? Because some people might be watching this thinking, I don't actually know what, rent to rent? What, rent yeah. to rent? What, what were your figures like? And how did, you, how did you make money from that first deal? So the first deal, we paid the landlord. So we rented the property from a landlord. We didn't buy it, we rented it. Um, and the rent was £995 a month. So that would get paid to the landlord, regardless of if we made money or we didn't. That would always have to be paid to the landlord, £995. Yeah. Now... The creative thing is, if you did this, if, let's say we rented it as a single let, we'd lose money because the £995 we're paying to the landlord is what we would get if we were to rent it out as a single let to a family. So now that's what we call general rent. So now we have to create super rent. And the way that we created super rent was instead of renting out on a monthly basis, we rented out on a night by night basis and we charged £120 a night. So, and we had about an 85% occupancy rate. So 85% of the month, we had people in there paying £120 a night. Once we um, added all, uh, all of that up, that was our turnover, which I think off my head is about 2,000 something, just uh, over 2,000 pounds. I don't know, I ain't got a calculator. But I know that once we paid the landlord, they're 995. Overhead expenses, we were left with about a 1,000, 1,200 pound profit. Yeah, yeah. That's not bad, is it? From one deal. We were looking at average salaries recently, so um, and I think we said it was twenty six thousand, which in the top fifty percent of earners. Um, two of those, yeah, two of those, and you're you're about and there, you're aren't yeah. you? But that's that's rent to rent. Yeah. Now, if we're going to talk about how do you raise finance and creative ways to get the money or buy property, or if you're actually looking to buy them, I mean, one of the ways that we looked at, which is just brilliant, I I'd, I'd never even heard of this six years ago until I saw yourself, Samuel, talking about it, and that was lease options. Well, it was interesting because one of um, Samuel's early deals, and one of the things that opened my eyes to, to lease options, um, so I had a friend who, um, they'd bought a house, you might, have heard, you might have heard Samuel tell this story, but this is sort of, sort of from my perspective, right? So I had a friend who'd bought a house for their son um, and um, t- to live in, and he ended up moving out, you probably know the story, um, and then they were like, oh, I'm stuck with it. And the house prices at that time had actually dipped. Um, this is sort of back when we were in the recession, 2008 type era, 2009. The house prices had dipped. 
and he wanted to sell because he, he didn't want to be a landlord. He only bought it for his son, didn't want to be a landlord and wanted to sell it. And he offered it to me. He said, Russell, do you want to buy it? And I looked at it and I was like, but it, it's not, not worth what you're asking for. It's only worth, I think he was asking 95, it's worth 85. So it's not worth what you're asking for. It's only worth 85. Uh, and even if I bought it off you for 85, I could just go and buy that one for 85 or that one. It's still not a very good deal. And he was like, um, oh, um, come, you know, come on, I think it'd be a good deal. I said, nah, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm all right, thanks. So then about a couple of weeks later, Sats, I, hear, I hear from the guy, he's like, oh, I'm selling the house to Samuel. And I was like, what is Samuel thinking? Right? Like, it's, it's, it's a rubbish deal, right? So I rang Samuel, I was like, what are you, what, why are you buying his deal, mate? It, it doesn't work as a deal. It's more expensive than it's worth. And even if you pay what it's worth, which he might accept, because he's negative equity, if you pay what it's worth, it's still just two a penny. And then he explained to me, he's like, oh no, I'm not actually bought it now. And he explained about a lease option, about how he's got an agreement to buy it, 495 in seven years' time. Uh, and he's taken, he basically going to rent to rent on it in the meantime. So Samuel started making cash flow from it as a landlord immediately, because he took over the mortgage, but the mortgage was like really, really low. And interest rates were super low back then as well. So he took over the mortgage, um, started making cash flow immediately. And then when it came to buying it, it was now worth like 130 or something, and he bought it for 95. So it was so like, Samuel pays the, paid the landlord an agreed monthly rent, yeah. and then he has the option to buy it in a few years' time, or seven, eight, nine, ten years' time, whenever they agree. Yeah. So not only does he get the cash flow, but he also benefits from the uplift. And gets a, like, gets a cracking deal. We've just done one ourselves right now, so we've just signed for it for its um, lease option agreement for a hotel. So the, the reason the owners want to sell, they were, they were, the owners own it and they were renting it to someone and that contract's just come to an end. And there's a standoff between the two because it needs a bit of work spending on it. The owners don't want to spend the money on it. And the, um, the, 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 the guy who's renting it off them um, as a business doesn't want to spend the money on it either. So the contract's just lapsed, just finished right now. The problem the owners have got is they're from China and they transferred the money over. And I don't... I'm not, I'm not an expert money exchange rates and stuff, but cut a long story short, the exchange rates, if they sold it, even though it's gone up in value, because the, the exchange rates have changed, if they sold it and got their money back, they would make a loss on it. So they, again, are in a situation where they have to sell it for more than it's worth just to break yeah. even, right? This is the perfect um, realm, the perfect opportunity for a lease option because they're stuck in a situation. They can't sell... And they don't, want to, they don't want to keep it because for whatever reason, in this case, they don't want to spend the money on it. So we've said to them, well, look, we'll buy it off you for what you want in 10 years' time. Um, it's probably, a, I think we're probably going to pay 100 grand over the odds for it. It's 2.2 million. It's worth about 2.1 at the moment. So we're paying over the odds for it. But I would expect in 10 years' time, we won't be paying over the odds for it. In 10 years' time, I imagine it'll be an absolute bargain. But we'll see. Who knows? So we've agreed to pay for 2.2. We're renting it off them um, for 80 grand a year, but it's like a 28 bedroom hotel. Like we're gonna, we'll make good cash flow from it. In fact, I think we'll make so much cash flow from it over the 10 years. That will pay for the That will purchase. be the deposit to pay wow. for the purchase. It's crazy. No, no money down, well I say no money down deal. It is money down, we've got, to, we've, got to, we've got to pay for the refurb, right? But other than paying for the refurb, it's a technically a no money down deal uh, and, and then renting it. Now we're talking, it's still big money because we're talking a really big deal. So how much is the refurb? The re refurb would be around about 300. So you, but you could raise that if you wanted to. 
You could make it a completely no money down Yeah, we deal. could. And we could pay investors back if we want to. Yeah, yeah, we could. Sounds we, like a great deal. Mate, it's a, it's a phenomenal deal. And, and, and this is a big scale deal. So people listening to this might not be able to afford 300 grand yeah. to pay for refurb, right? But this is the same as your first deal. Yeah. It's just much bigger. Yeah. And when you, um, when you start learning how this works, rather than, just, you know, rather than getting like 100 rent to rents, what you can do is you can then just do a rent to rent like this on a bigger scale. You just build your way up. Yeah. But you start small. Start, yeah. learn the ropes, learn how it works on a small deal. Make, make yourself, how much do you make off your first 1,200? Yeah, about 1,000, 1,200 pound. No money down deal. This is a money down deal, but we could, like you say, we could, we could yeah. raise the 300. But if you're looking to, you know, leave work or get out of your job quick and you're looking to replace your income quickly, mm. Small deals are perfect. Rent to rents are brilliant. Lease options, brilliant. So, rent- what happens if someone finds a property? Let's say you found um, that hotel. Yeah. Actually, no. Let's make it sim- let's make it a, a, even more simple. Let's f- say you find a house mm. and it's on the market for a hundred grand, and it needs a twenty grand refurb, and then it's going to be worth a hundred eighty grand. So you pull out all of your money and more, but they need the money now they're not open to a lease option agreement so you but it's such a great deal you you want to buy it now to pull your money out but you haven't got the money yeah what could you do to raise the finance well the very first deal i did i didn't have the money so i, I was saying i was broke with a new beans on toast boy right and, um, <laughs> not even heinz not not even not even heinz <laughs> do you, i actually remember uh, uh, i think it was netto used to sell baked beans for minus 5p how does that work you could, i think you could only buy like four uh, so then you time. go 20p in debt. So that they pay you 20p, to, but but it was it was a marketing ploy. So you go in and do you, the rest of your shop there because you get your free beans. Well, they pay you for your beans. <laughs> uh, what, I've never ever ever seen that in my whole life yeah. where you go to a shop and they say we'll pay you to take this product. Really? Yeah. Wow. I was a kid. About I was it was a promotion they ran when I was a kid. So beans are very cheap. Beans on toast, cheap meal, man. Not a bad not a bad meal. Nice breakfast. Bit of cheese on top. Bit, oh, I couldn't afford the what cheese. What about the beans? Bro. I like the beans with the sausages in it. It's very English, that isn't it? Yeah. Sort of like very, very English that. Maybe after we film this, we should have some sausage, beans, and toast. I thought we we're going to the uh, Turkish. Yeah, we'll go there. Go to the Turkish. We'll go there. Anyway, um, what was your question? Something um, about beans. Oh uh, yeah. First uh, deal, yeah. How, how you money? Yeah. Yeah. So my first deal, um, I didn't have any money, so I got a mortgage, which is, I mean, the great thing about properties, you can get. There's lots of professional finance out there. You've got like mortgages, you've got bridging finance, you've got development finance. There's lots of professional finance where they'll lend you and put a charge on the property, which is great. Gives you a good start. Uh, and then I just got a, a loan um, for the for the deposit, so it was a no no money down deal. Okay. So you so we, you we've, we've spoken about lease option agreements. Yeah. We've spoken about you've bought your first one with a mortgage and then got a loan for yeah. the deposit. So let's say you find the same house, but it's unmortgageable. Okay. What would you do then? If the property was unmortgageable, yeah. well, you can, st- you can still get bridging finance. You can get bridging finance. If it's unmortgageable. So bridging, you can bridge finance properties that are unmortgageable because bridging, a bridging loan isn't a mortgage. A mortgage is a long-term loan to buy the house, but a bridge is just a short-term loan to bridge the gap between you buying it and putting a mortgage on it. And the good thing about mortgageable properties is there's a good chance you, you'll be able to avoid stamp duty, for example, which I know we've talked about before on the show. Um, which, especially on more expensive properties, is a, is, a, is a big saving. And because it's unmortgageable and most people can't get a mortgage, it rules out a lot of the market as well. Yeah. So 
you know, what, what drives the price up of things? Well, it's, we talk about supply and demand. So if there's lots of people that want a particular thing, the price is gonna rise. If you've got an unmortgageable property, you're probably ruling out 99% of the market that don't want it. Yeah. Because they don't want the hassle. They, they can't buy it because they need a mortgage. Or they don't know about bridging finance or they're not, you know, prepared to get a bridge because bridge is more expensive. So you could raise finance from investors? Investors, 100%. Yeah, professional finance, you could use investors. Um, you know, personal finance is always is always really good, especially if you've got money. So, for example, let's say you've got 20 grand in the bank, but you don't want to spend the 20 grand because you need it for other stuff. You could get a loan for 20 grand, use your personal 20 grand that you had to pay for the property and the, the deposit, and then have your loan to pay for the... Because technically, you can't have a loan to pay for your property. But if you have money, you can then get a loan, and then which, tw which 20 grand are you using? <laughs> I've never actually thought that. It's quite interesting. So what focus should people have if someone's watching this and they're like, right, I want to get started in property. I've found a house. Which direction should they go? They've got no money. If I had, Which no, direction if, if I had no money and I was getting started right now, I would 100% be looking at rent-to-rents. Yeah. 100%. But I'd be looking at rent-to-rents with a lease option in mind. Because when you're renting it off them, I, I, I would, I'd, I'd always ask the question, hey, what, as soon as you've got the rent-to-rent -rent secured, yeah. but would you ever consider selling? And if you could flip it to a lease option agreement, I mean, bear in mind, right, we use the word lease option. It's an option. You don't have to exercise the option. If, look, with our hotel, for example, if we have 10 good years making good cash flow, but for some reason the property market drops to a mill, we'll just have, have our good 10 years and then say, Thanks, but no thanks, you can keep the hotel. Or if you want, you can either keep it or we can extend for another 10 years and give us the option again. But right now we're not buying it. Yeah. Um, so you don't have to buy it. You could, just, you, could, you could just not buy it at the end. However, we know that over time, property prices tend to go up significantly. Uh, so if you were agreeing the price today, even if you're paying slightly over the odds today, there's a very good chance that in 10 years, seven years, whatever it is that you've agreed, a very good chance that now that will suddenly look like a bargain yeah and what does that process look like if you get a lease option i mean you know does it have to go through solicitors do you draw up the contract how does it work uh, you you could draw up the contract you obviously need a contract um i would 100 percent recommend not doing that though i would recommend getting a solicitor that understands lease options the reason being let's say for example you owned an asset that was worth 100 grand and because we'd agreed a deal 10 years ago, I was now gonna buy it off you for 10 grand, even though it was worth 100. You would wanna fight me on that. And quite often, if, if it works out that, as it turns out, it was a terrible deal, people are like, like I don't wanna pay. So if they, can, if they can sort of say, oh, I didn't understand the contract, or, or I take you to court, who knows? Yeah. If they've been legally represented by a solicitor who's explained to them the risks they're taking, etc. then you're totally protected. And I know people that have had that. In fact, that story I was telling you about with Samuel, they didn't want to sell it to him. And they contacted their solicitor to see if there's anything they could do to get out of it, because it had gone up so much, and the solicitor said, no, there's nothing yeah. you can do. Well, lease options are quite, because uh, it's, it's, uh, if I remember correctly, lease options are actually started and were more, more common on commercial units. Oh, that's how it started, on land. Yeah, mainly. And I mean, that's what most of our options, most of our lease options now. I know, I know, about the hotel, but most of our options are on land. And then the idea is, if we get planning permission on the land, what happens to the value of the land? 
you're forcing the value up massively. So let's say you've got a piece of land that's worth 100 grand, but if you've got planning permission for 20 houses, it's now no longer worth 100 grand. I mean, it depends on the value of the houses, etc. but it could be worth a million. But you wouldn't pay the owner of the land a monthly fee? No. Because you can't then rent out the land yourself no. while you're trying to get planning. All it is is an option. We, we don't even really take control of the land. It's just all, it's more like they can carry on using it for whatever they want. It's more you're like... You're doing a, the background work to get the planning. Yeah. And if we get planning, then we can buy it off them. Yeah. So it's, it's almost more like just a restriction on the land. So they can't sell it. They, we're protecting the land. So we've got the option to buy it and they can't sell it or do anything in the meantime. But we don't actually i don't go and play football on the land or anything you know we don't, <laughs> we don't Ooh, that's not a bad idea why don't you, on one of your pieces of land can we build like a golf course or a football pitch or something oh, i don't know it's not worth it is it because then like what happens if we build a golf course on the land how much would that i don't even know how much that would cost i imagine it's a lot more than you'd think because you'd think well, it's probably there will be a lot of no well there'll be a lot of landscaping that would need to be done wouldn't there yeah a lot of maintenance and keeping the grab can't we just go to a local golf club you can beat me there instead yeah we could can you play golf no, that's why I said you could beat me there. What's your football? Do you play cricket? I don't play cricket. I don't play boring sports. Golf, cricket, darts. So what do you play? I play football. Right. I play, I play racket sports. So I used to play badminton, boring. tennis. The boring. Do you know what though? I, I would... I, I played golf for about three months. And I joined the golf club. This is when I was living in Litchfield. I joined Litchfield Golf and Country Club. And I used to go around the nine hole um, and I played for about three months. And I realised after about three months of playing that I was going to have to put in an awful lot of time and effort to get good. Yeah, but that's not with anything though. But I wasn't prepared. I maybe, you know, maybe when I'm like retired, I might start playing. I wasn't prepared. I already play football every week. I go to the gym. I do lots of other stuff. And I wasn't prepared. I didn't enjoy it enough. To put in the hours and hours and hours I was going to need to get good. And it's so it's so frustrating because I feel like I was getting somewhere and then suddenly, out of the blue, I was shit. Um, well, it's a, it is a hard sport. It's, yeah. it's, it, I, I think golf is the hardest sport to be consistent at. Because with football, if we, like we play football every week and it's like, yeah, every now and then you might not be on, on your game. Yeah. But more times than not, you, you know, you You're play out. Yeah. You're with same. golf, it, is, it can be a very inconsistent sport. I'd like to play cricket, though. I've never really played cricket, but I'm quite good at all the skills I would have thought you'd need. So, so like, but, but I don't know. I'll have to play. But I imagine, I'm, I tend to be quite good at most sports. Do you know one of those people that... You're just good just at everything. Good. You're good at table tennis. I remember we played table tennis. But table tennis isn't... Are you good at tennis? I don't know, because table tennis is slightly different to real tennis, isn't it? It's very... It's totally different. It's a totally different skill. Tennis... Oh, I'm better at table tennis than I am at tennis. Why? I played more table tennis. I used to play tennis when I was a kid. Do you play tennis at the gym? A little. Occasionally. Well... Occasionally. I'm going to play Chris at David Lloyd. I've played... played Evans a few times, but... Oh, I beat him so bad. It, it wasn't fun, you know... <laughs> I'll have to play. Uh, I'll have to play Chris because Chris is meant to be quite good. We'll have to have a game. We'll have a game, bro. Well, we'll have to have a we'll game. Do it. We'll do it. But um, when we're talking about, where were we? Creative ways to finance properties. So when we talk about financing, I don't know why we're talking. We always go off on these little things like table tennis and these different. Topics. That's why it's a podcast and not just like a, a YouTube video because people are like, "What are they yeah, talking true. about?" But create, uh, create yeah. ways to raise finance for properties. I guess what I've kind of got from the conversation we've had so far is yes, you can use creative ways to raise finance, but also it's not always just about raising the finance. It could be about the strategy you use so that you don't even need the finance. No. 
No, you don't. And I, 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 like I say, is there any other things we get? So you've got raising finance, yep. you've got professional finance, you've got investors, uh, networking's a great way. What do you think of crowdfunding? It's very similar to bridging. Mm. So they'll put a charge on it, they, will, they won't give you all the money. Yeah. They'll give you a, they'll give you a percentage. Okay. So, so why, don't we, why don't we leave the folks that are watching this or listening this, why don't we leave them with a list of ways that you can finance properties? Well, the first thing you need to be able to do if you want to make any money and the, the skill, the thing is, who, why would I lend you money if you had nothing to bring to the table? Well, you wouldn't. No. So if you're doing a, a joint venture or whatever, you need to be bringing something to the table that they don't have. Now, this could be, it's normally either time, expertise, or money. If you've got no money, then you need to really to have time and expertise. So one of the most important skills that you can find, and what you did and what I did and how we got started, is we learned the skill of being able to find good deals. If you can find really attractive deals that are going to make a lot of money, you normally can find investors. Find the deal and the money will follow. Yeah, even if it's family. Like family lent to me when I first got started. Family lent to you when you first got started. You know, don't be don't be ashamed of borrowing money from from family. And then once you've borrowed money from family, you've got a track record. Then you've you've shown, oh look, I've done this deal. This is what I made. And then other people will be interested. Or deal selling. If you find the deal and you can't find someone to joint venture with it, sell the deal onto them. But then document what they've done. I found this deal. It is a rent to rent. It makes this much money. That, and show people this is a case study of your work and what you can find and what you can do. Yeah. And then you can then say to them, look, this is the deal I found. You don't have to tell them you sold it. Just tell them the numbers. This is the deal I found. This is how much we had to put in. This is what we did. Bam, bam, bam. This is how much money it makes. I found another one. Would you like to fund it? And I will give you X percent of the profits. Yeah. Deal selling is a great way to prove your... And rent to rent is a good way of proving credibility yeah. as And well. also, if you deal source and you're building up a list of investors, you're building up a list of investors that are wanting to buy properties. So if you come across your property yourself and you've got a list of investors, you've got a group of people that are already looking to buy properties yeah. that you could raise the finance from. That you could joint venture with. There's, there's lots of things. You need to put yourself in. You need to, number one, you need to learn how to find good deals. Then you need to get in the right environment and see what other people are doing. See how other people are doing it. But rent to rent, deal selling, lease options, joint ventures, raising finance, for me, that's probably the, um, the very best way of, yeah. getting, of getting started if you want to get started in property. And then you can grow it from there. Start small. Once you get a few rent to rents and you're bringing in a few grand, then start saving that money to invest in property. I think we always talk, don't we, there's two types of income. You've got your, your fast pound, which is often the money you've got to work for. If you've got no money, you're probably going to have to work for the money. Then once you get the money coming in, you can then start investing that money and building your slow pound where the money starts working for you. Yeah. Um, but you can't get money to work for you if you don't have any money. No. So, so you've got to put the work in first. And there's lots of, lots of ways in the property space that you can do that. I guess what you need to do is find the deal and the money will follow. That was like my words of wisdom to end that was podcast, like your words but you didn't, you, didn't, you didn't... I didn't back you up on it. You didn't back me up on it, so I'll do it again. Do it again and I'll back All you right. up. So, what did I say again? Hold on, I forgot. I've even forgotten the phrase. Find the deal. Find the deal. And the money will follow, was it? And the money will follow. Find, find the deal. Sorry, you go. <laughs> or do we do it together? Do you say find the deal? And then and do the I say, and the money will follow, and then we wrap it up. So it's like joint wisdom. But who's going to wrap it up? Are you going to wrap it up, or am I going to wrap it up? You wrap it up. I'll wrap it up. Okay. Find the deal. And the money will follow. 
My name is Ricky Mando. My name is Russell Leeds. And we'll see you next time.